0: I love trying to get these things started. I'm still new to Zoom also.
1: Every time, it's like, can you hear me? Hello, hello? And then
0: make this whole
1: process.
0: Trying to make it where you can see me. (laughs) Yeah. We got with light or move. Yeah, too much. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a window with no curtain on it, so it's just like my forehead. I've just been really using the audio, so I think it'll be fine anyway. Um, well, hello, Robin Scott. You are um, going to be on my festival. Should it happen?
0: Pretty. Exciting. I'm looking forward to buying tickets there. Also, should it happen?
1: Yeah. Are you? Um, where are you from?
0: Uh, basically, Greenville, South Carolina. Oh man. That's my native scene.
1: Cool. Yeah, I uh, I once imported a imported a husband from South Carolina.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: My third husband. We're divorced now. He's back there. I think it's Asheville. That's in South
0: Carolina, right? North Carolina, North Carolina. but only only 45 minutes from Greenville.
1: Yeah. So he's in Asheville. He's back there now. But
0: uh, that's our local hipster liberal area.
1: Yeah, I really want to go there. I really want to visit there. There's a festival there and stuff. Um, yeah,
0: Melissa Hahn, she awesome person. I've performed with her a few times. She's She runs some good shows, and it's always look, wonderful little venues. The, Fleetwoods is one of the strangest places I've ever been, and it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, Asheville's, it looks really interesting. Um, and me and my ex-husband, we get along, so it won't be great. <laughs> Just didn't work out, um, but yeah. So, how are you? How are you doing
0: with? I'm still working. So, the wife. My wife is still working. She's essential. She's at Tractor Supply. I'm essential. I work at GameStop. So. Oh,
1: that's essential. Can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, not it keeps. Have well, it is keeping people from killing their children. So, I guess it could be considered essential, but. Um, we actually just opened our doors yesterday, so we're now letting, uh, five people in at a time, uh, social distancing, we're wearing masks, so, are so far, so good. um, most people understand in- I'm sorry?
1: Are customers coming?
0: Yeah, they, they get to come in starting yesterday. And they are?
1: They're like itching to get into GameStop? Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm a little closer to a low income side of town, so they're not, the IQ level is not as high as I wish it would be. They don't understand simple things and they call and we're out of stocks. I know that you're going to have to order from the website. They're like, what does that mean? You have to order it from the website. How do I do that? Huh. (laughs) <laughs> and it my filter starts breaking because i just i'm the smart ass <laughs> It uh yeah i usually that's usually where half my posts on facebook just venting because it's the easiest way to do it without getting fired
1: i couldn't work in retail i would kill somebody my mom worked at target for 30 years so
0: oh yeah they it's a it's a weird life it really is
1: i waited tables that was enough for me i can't
0: even do that anymore Food service and retail are definitely sisters
1: for sure for sure um so uh, I don't know how much you know about the actual nonprofit part of Mm -hmm. part of comedy Uh, what we're doing is um, giving scholarships and um, paying for classes for women and in the LGBTQIA community and then troubled youth um, to go to comedy classes and improv classes just to help them um, overcome trauma or, you know, um, anything they've been through in their lives. And just, um, even if they don't do anything with it afterwards, just to help them. Because um, I think comedy, comedy has helped me so much. And I think that it can really benefit some other people as a, as a therapy outlet, even if they don't become comedians or do anything with it. Um, so how long have you been doing comedy?
0: Well, over five years now, or uh, right at five years. Right at five years now.
1: How did you How did you start comedy? What's your story?
0: Oh God, um, I've always been in. I've I've hosted car shows. I've always done public speaking and emceeing things of that nature. Uh, so public speaking has never been an issue. And one of my friends, we were at a funeral of uh, someone that was basically my brother. And we were at his funeral, and just like most funerals, it's when everybody catches up. So we're sitting outside, and we're all just sitting around and just talking crap, you know, insulting each other. You know, what friends do? Just ribbing on each other the whole time. And uh, he's a comedian, and the, one of the guys that was there with us. He uh, was trying to get a TV show going and a couple others, uh, Southern Fried Comics. It, it fell through. But he wanted to do a roast. So he was trying to do this more like documentary style with things and almost got it sold, but it fell through. And he asked if I would be on the roast panel on because we had known each other, we went to high school together, and I was like, yeah, I'll come roast you. Never thought anything else about comedy or anything. I can bounce off of anybody else, so if somebody points me in a direction, I can usually go pretty well. But flying off the hip was never my strong point. It still isn't. I, it takes me a while. I'm, it's, I'm slow creating sense. I, don't, I can't write the material as quick as some people. And, but I, if you say something, I can come up with a whole skit right off the bat though. So if I'm pointed and fed material, fed something, I can bounce off. So I sat down and I wrote the most God awful five minutes of insulting jokes I could write things that would point this direction. So when I'm kidding with an insult, you know, like it came out of left field, you know, the whole misdirection and I enjoyed it. I wrote some good ones. I had some good jokes in there and I really enjoyed it and we actually had a mic in my hometown which anderson south carolina is 45 minutes well half an hour south of greenville mm-hmm. and we're nothing we <laughs> we really are not much of anything but we have a, had a mellow, mushroom, have a mellow mushroom here that used to the owner used to love comedy and had an open mic going there and at that point i went for about a whole month every week just supporting could not think of how I was going to write a set, how I knew I wanted to perform, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And then finally, uh, my friend Chris was like, just write what you know. And because I think everybody kept expecting me being trans and I'm openly trans. I, I'll discuss it with anyone. I'll help anyone understand things. I'm unapologetically trans. So I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, this is right. I mean, just all the, the life I live, the things I've done, me being me, there's material there and so that's where it started and of course I did my I got up I did my five minutes and I wanted to be edgy and I wanted to be this I wanted to be that you know traditional newbie my open micer stuff i would get up there I've used the n-word you know thinking I'm going to be the person to revolutionize the use of a white person use the n-word make it okay and of course I don't use that anymore because I realized I was being an ass oh yeah, just you know I, I went through all the same stuff every open micer does and I got up there and I finally hit a point and I, I'm starting to get my voice slowly but right now is what I've been starting to hit my I've been hitting a stride I'm starting to get my confidence back to where I know my material's funny I know when it's good but at the same time I, I'm starting to understand how to write the comedy better now so um. My jokes are developing quicker when I start writing them. It doesn't take me six months to get that bit together. I can get a three, four minute bit, month and a half where I want it and it's done. I don't have to keep continuously polishing it and polishing it. But it, that first five minutes, it took everything I had and it felt like an eternity because it was not talking to someone. It was talking at people. Yeah. And that was an entirely different feeling and I've never experienced that in any of the emceeing, presentations, awards. I, I'm ordained. I've performed weddings. I, <laughs> I've never experienced anything the same as what comedy does. Stand yeah. up is its own bird.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, to be openly trans in South Carolina, in North Carolina, that general area there um, can be dangerous, can it? I mean, it's, it's, um, or maybe my, my ex is from that area and he made it sound like, of course, he's a limp. So um, he's a um, man. And so he made it sound like they were hunting y'all down.
0: <laughs> okay. The South does get a bad racket. The the racism that exists here and the bigotry it's full fledged it really is. The difference is it's not the classic you know fifties and before of like they're hate everybody and they want to hang them too. Their racism isn't in their mindset based on hatred. It's at this point it's based on difference of culture. It's, it's still a it's still a they them even with anything in the queer community, they look, they still base a lot of it in their religion, even though they're not anything remotely close to what the religion they're trying to represent is. Yeah. Uh, But it's not, the violence here isn't the same. It really isn't. People, it is country more than what they realize it is, even though when they think they're starting to get a little highfalutin, (laughs) and, uh, city fight, I guess, is the way they think here. We're we're not country bumpkins, but we're de- there's definitely a difference here. Uh, we do we do still move slower. We you you see the way I talk and over explain things. I mean that's normal. That's everyday life. Whereas I've been to New York City and just trying to find my way back to Times Square. I was ready to fight people for just being mean and ignoring us. You know, it's like I'm just trying to go home. And, you know, so it was those kind of things that a lot of people still have some misconceptions. Racism is alive and well, but it's not the lynching and want to kill people racism.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but just, I think it's important, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things with the nonprofit is that I want to get more voices out there in comedy that you don't hear a lot. And there aren't a lot of... Um, trans comedians um i mean i know quite a few just because because of my work and what i do and stuff work. and the festival and things like that but there, i mean in comparison the percentage of comedians that are trans is very small i don't i've only met one trans man comedian um amel he was in i don't even remember but um Shane lane oh he was in like iowa or something i'm not sure where
0: shane's from but yeah I, he was super. I got into the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival last year and I did not realize how I knew plenty of people were non-binary but I did not realize how many were trans and I was surprised because we don't even hear about each other so yeah. That was nice. yeah it's
1: um it's just I just think it's an important voice to have out there um because like I'm from originally, I live in Denver now, but I'm originally from Kansas and in Kansas, um, maybe not in Wichita so much as like out in the smaller cities, they don't, you know, the if there are trans people there, they don't stay, they leave. So they're just not around trans people. They're not really around a lot of queer people. So they just don't, they don't understand. They don't know that they're just regular people. Like you're married, you have a wife and you guys probably have the same relationship, marriage crap than anybody has. And so I think like getting those. Ironic,
0: voices... Ironically, next Wednesday is our 20th anniversary.
1: Yeah. I was looking, I kind of looked you up on Facebook. I was like 20 <laughs> years, Jesus. Um, no. yeah. So it's like, it's important to get those voices out there cause that's what, that's what normalizes it for those people. If you want to, for lack of a better word, that's what makes them go, Oh, they're just humans you know, humanizes you versus what the media does or what maybe their, whatever media they follow or, you know. um, Right. And so I think that's a, that's a grander scheme of the, of the nonprofit is just to get more voices out into the comedy world and the entertainment world to, because right now there's just not there's not a lot of different voices. There's a, there's a lot of male voices. There's a lot of cisgender straight male voices. And we've heard that we've heard their stories. We've heard all of it. And I think
0: and every time tr- being, especially trans, it's always women. So they rarely ever represent trans men mm-hmm. and it's always the, but I mean, historically, it was always the butt of a joke. It kind, of, kind of like if you're, and I, I'm, I'm, not trying to be offensive. I don't know the, the proper terms anymore, but a little person, or midget, yeah. I know some people are okay, some are not. I'm not trying to be offensive in that term, obviously, yeah. but um, but even with them, they're never represented as human. It's always the butt of a joke or, you know, some party favor. Yeah. And it's the same way with us. You know, we rarely, even on a TV show when we're being treated, you know, as a human in the show, it is still the token training you
1: know? (laughs) Well, yeah, rarely are they also rarely when they're in a show or a movie, are they actually paid, played by a trans person? They're played by a, you know, somebody pretending to be a trans person when there's plenty of actors out there that could do it that are trans. And then, yeah, also it's like trans being trans is their complete identity. Um, for their character, instead of it just being a, a part of who they are and a little bit of their character, it's like their entire identity is wrapped up in it. And and it's yeah, they, they can't just be a character that happens to be trans. They're a trans character. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, it is frustrating. And I think I think the way that you make true social change um, is through the media and through entertainment and just getting it out there. And just like even. Um, you know, like biracial couples 25 years ago in Wichita was a big deal, and people would look at you funny. Um, and now it's no big deal, and that's that's really how it's become no big deal. You know, they were they started showing them in commercials and then on TV shows, and then it's just now it's like no one thinks twice about it, really. At least, well, if they do, they don't share
0: it. <laughs> no, funny uh, anecdote here. Um, went to visit my dad. My dad is 78 yeah 78 this year and we're sitting there we're visiting and we don't see each other much you know we're just at that point in our lives we don't we've never had fantastic relationship we're over there visiting and we're talking and I don't remember how we got into the subject but we've never discussed race I've never heard him use the n-word my entire life I'm 43 years this 42 years and some change and I've never heard him say anything racial but of course you know I may have missed it, but just never heard anything like that. And we're sitting there, and we got talking something about football, and I don't remember how it was, and we we were talking about the colleges and how many were, like, so many predominantly historically black colleges through the South down here. And when was talking about it, I said, yeah, they don't do that anymore. And I was like, no, and I don't remember where, but my – Stepmom chimes in. Yeah, that's how they that's how they intermingled and how they started mixing. I'm like, huh? Well and it's like, yeah, they're just different. That's what how, that's how they started i I went, oh God. Yeah. My dad's like, Yeah, they're just violent. I went, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Where the hell have, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, you're seventy something years old and it's like suddenly, oh great, you are a racist. Okay. Um hadn't <laughs>
1: I just would assume, just, you know, I'm sure it's not across the board, but I would assume any 70-year-old white man in South Carolina is probably racist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, if you, when you don't see it with your own eyes, you just don't like, oh, okay, no big deal. Yeah. You know, everybody says something stupid in the locker room, you know, that yeah. kind of mentality. We've all, I've said stupid jokes before that fly off in the wrong way. Like I said, you know, I've tried to be the edgy comic and, you know, there's things like that, but. I just <laughs> was like, okay. Um, I, I had nothing to offer. I just kind of looked at upside and cross eyed a little bit and was like, okay, yeah, it's time to go. Um,
1: yeah. Um, that's gonna be fun stories there. Do you have jokes <laughs> about your, your dad?
0: <laughs> yeah. He actually came to see me perform once a few years ago and, you know, it was still kind of rough. And, uh, I don't remember exactly how, but it was, I, think it was, I think it was when I was still using one of the jokes I quit using now, and his only thing was, you cuss too much, and I was like, well, well yeah, I learned it from watching you, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I do, When I, I'm starting to clean up more and more as I go, but even my subject matter, I don't know how you can talk about being trans in real life terms without it still being somewhat like, you know, At least PG thirteen.
1: Yeah,
0: there's is you're still talking about sex and gender. I mean, that's always going to have a teen rating to it, no matter what. I'm even if I don't cuss, the subject matter will have that. But sometimes, and you know this as well as I do, nothing beats a well placed f bomb to get the giggle started. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes it's neat. But
1: yeah, no, yeah, there's. Sometimes, like, because I've tried to, like, clean up some of my jokes for different shows and stuff, and mm-hmm. and it works, but it's just not as good, you know? <laughs> it's
0: just one, not as good. One of my jokes I do, and I can't remember if it's in the submission video I sent or not, um, making fun of Caitlyn Jenner, because, you know, nobody likes her, um, but, you know, when she first came out, the media was, went up to her and asked her what the hardest thing about being a woman was, and she said, walking in heels and just one of the things i do is i look at us walking in heels ladies correct me if i'm wrong but misogyny sexism equal fucking pay yeah these are things women have to deal with i have tried it with every term now it's not the funniest hit but i've now got every woman in the room like yeah. you know eating out of my hand i have their attention i've won the room and but I, it's I've tried it with freaking, freaking, damn, darn, dang, gosh, deadly, darn, whatever else I could think of, and it just is such a powerful statement that I can drop the cuss word out of it for the room to make the room happy, but it does not hit the same without equal fucking pay. Yeah. I mean, I I could probably say that in the Baptist church here, and they would be like, <laughs> you know, they would just eat it up. Yeah. So. I'm- I don't,
1: so um so you've been married for twenty years. Dear God, I can't even imagine.
0: She can't either. She's ready to kill me half the time. That's we've we've been outside doing yard work all day and she's been ready to kill me most of it.
1: I feel so. like there's gonna be a lot of divorces when this is over because people finally have to spend time with their spouse and they're like, wait a minute, I don't like you. <laughs>
0: That's probably the only saving grace. We we schedule our days off, so she puts up with me pretty frequently. I mean, she's been five years deep with this, so. So how long been, have you been? How long have you been?
1: How long have you been transitioning?
0: Uh, publicly and live, I've been living full time five years, oh. over, almost getting close to six years. Um, new. I mean, my whole life, of course. I mean, I remember four years old cross dressing um playing imagining be a girl and all that stuff and then probably around 2000 about the time I was twenty, twenty-three. 23 god um no it was a little before that it was before that we uh got the internet and first got the internet and of course like every hum- male human being on the face of the earth I looked at all the porn I could find Found all the porn and then eventually started going into, oh, female porn, tranny porn. Oh, what's this TG word? Transgender, what's that? Oh, and then I started reading stories and I found blogs and it was like, oh God, I know that story. Did I write this? You know, because as much as the stories are different, they're the same. And, you know, I started going, oh God, that's what, I mean, I you know, always knew the word transsexual. I didn't know what transgender was and it was like, oh, it's the modern term but that was it it was like oh my god this is real and you know for about almost half my life now kind of knew, but you know you don't think you can ever be you don't think it's ever a possibility so you squash it you push it down and you know I'm, I'm married and you know here's my kid I've got a daughter that's 23 about to be 24 so you know we've got all this going on we've got our life we've got family we've got everything and it's like I can't do this you know it's just not a possibility and then finally the cork pops and you lose the battle (laughs) and you pretty much have to become yourself or I I'm not suicidal I've never been suicidal I've never had those issues but I run a support group to make sure that I can try to help prevent those issues for people yeah and I, I don't know how else to deal with it? I'm that person that I have to marinate on it a little bit but then it's I'm talking about it I don't like I talk my problems through even if I say the same thing 15 times I'm talking it through I have to this how I process it so and
1: um, so like it's comedy so they kind of started about the same time so I guess if you could just talk a little bit about how comedy has helped you as a woman as a trans woman um, yeah just kind of like because that's really you know what we're trying to do here Right. I think right. you have an interesting take on all
0: that. Well, and that's the thing, just uh, with comedy, you know, you're first on stage, you're asking for the laugh. And then as you get a little more confidence, you start demanding the laugh. And then eventually you're controlling the laugh. You know, you're, I get up there, I know when they're gonna giggle. I know if I make certain facial expressions, what reaction I'm gonna get now. That's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of animated in my movements. I jump around a lot, things like that. So those are things that I've learned. When I came out trans, first thing I did was looking for approval. I'm looking at every person in the store because of my anxiety's through the roof. I'm like, are they going to accept me? Are they going to accept me? Are they talking about me? I never cared if anybody talked crap about me or what they thought about me. But the moment I came out trans, I cared what everybody thought. Moment I got on stage, I care what everybody thinks about the joke. <laughs> as I've gotten older, when you bomb, you just go, okay, and you move on. But when you bomb in the beginning, you start thinking about suicide for a couple of moments. It, so it parallel, a lot of that, as I started earning myself my comedy on stage, hearing comedians get up there with a different point of view, making their tranny jokes or a gay joke. You know, at first you're kind of looking at it. You get a little offended, but then you're also like, I have to remember some of the things I say up there are just caricatures of my life. And even some, some of my jokes are just complete BS. The whole point is to bring entertainment, humanize who I am and the situation and just make everybody have fun. That usually opens the door for people to come up and then talk to you. Once they've seen that and they start understanding, then there's education moments that come in because like you said, most of the representation is either, Far right ignorance and it's fabricated BS, or they take a one off, you know, a lottery winning eye and then turn that to every person in the world, or it's everything is trans, like, like you just like you were saying with the comedy, it is very much a therapy. It, we, I think, we all have a little inner narcissist, and definitely there's nothing like setting a room on fire with laughter there is no, i've never i was in chorus in middle school i can goof off on the camera and play but nothing pays off the same as hearing an entire room erupt in laughter getting a snort a spit take something it, it just it feeds that inner narcissist so bad that i love it and i'm addicted to it now and at first when this was a hobby, you know, it started as a hobby. And at this point is something I'm at a point where I'm trying to decide if this is a career path I could possibly grow into. I don't know. I know I'm not at, you know, so these levels like science and others who've been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. I know that. I know I'm not at some people's levels. been doing it five years, but it's one of those to where I'm hitting a point that I feel like this is This is just another chapter of who I am, kind of the same with being trans. It isn't everything I am. I'm still Craig as far as the world knows in a lot of things because that person was 35 years, 36 years of my life and I don't hate that person. That person brought me to where I am. That person gave me a great daughter. That person gave me my wife, you know, so that person's also who had that kind of crazy sense of humor. So when I got to the point where here's Robin, it was, it took a minute to bring everything back in. And I think comedy has helped me do that so much. with just, even when I'm writing a joke, I'll write something Facebook, I'll write something and it's like, eh, maybe I shouldn't joke about that. I'll rewrite it, rewrite the phrasing. Eh, maybe the phrasing, but it's all, it's made me think more about the words and the impact and the things I say. So I know sometimes I'll put a joke on there. that's going to offend somebody on the left or somebody on the right politically. And it's funny because the same people that when I crack a joke on, that offend someone that was on the left a little bit or like a specific candidate or something like that, nobody on the right fussed at me for making that joke. But when I made a Trump joke, Oh, they got all up in arms, and it's like, so I can pick on the left, but I can't pick on the right. Is that what you're saying? It happened today. Of course. Like, guys, you know, I, you know, they're like, that's fake news. I'm like, I'm a comedian. If it, if I giggle, I share it, or I make fun of it. That's pretty much what I do. I'm not a journalist. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but taking what I say so seriously. I'm a comedian. Okay. Yeah. That's about all I do for politics now. I mean, I used to get pretty up in arms about it, but now I just, I just make fun of them. I make fun of both sides. I make fun of everyone. Um,
0: Bernadette is crazy. There's too much good material to just be (laughs) one-sided.
1: I don't write it on stage. I don't talk about it on a stage, but like on Facebook or whatever, I'll make fun Mm -hmm. of, I make, if it's a joke, I'll make fun of it. I don't care who who I'm making fun
0: of, so. (laughs) pretty much yeah, it's whatever i've been recently going through the whole uh comedians and cars getting coffee, yeah, and i've loved it because I heard uh I remember who it was a Seinfeld, of course, and somebody else, and he says the one thing they don 't tell you that nobody ever talks about is what we will do for a laugh. we will do anything to get a laugh I'm like yeah, um I, I can. <laughs>
1: That's my job as a comedian, is to get laughs. So I take my job very seriously.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nothing at at this level, bombing a new joke is one thing. Bombing an old joke, that makes me sit down and go, what did I do? What am I doing with my life?
1: Yeah, like maybe I should just throw all this away.
0: I suck, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: I, uh...
0: I never had anxiety until I started comedy <laughs> I'm not sure. I want to blame the transition but I think it was more the comedy I had more anxiety with comedy than I did transitioning so
1: well I know that um I don't know because I know that that I'm, I'm gender fluid and I know on days that I feel more masculine um I feel more confident And I feel, and I do have a higher level of testosterone than the average woman. Um, Not, I mean, still not a lot, but it's a lot more than the average woman does. And um, I know when I feel more masculine, I feel more secure. I feel less anxious. I feel better. And then on the days when I feel super feminine, I feel very fragile and I feel very emotional and I have a lot of anxiety. Um, so there may be part of the transition too, because if you're, yeah, you're changing the hormones. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's probably a lot. There's, it's probably a mixture of everything. That's a lot I'll, to do all
0: at once. I own more firearms now than before I transition. Yeah. I will say. <laughs> well, that's
1: a lot, that's a lot to do at once to start comedy and then, and transitioning all at the same time is, is,
0: is nuts <laughs> that's a you lot know, it, it's like I learned myself as I was learning comedy and comedy did help me do that I mean like I said i crack a joke and it was it kind of got to me I could crack a joke on myself but you couldn't do it you know and it, I finally got I want a roast battle so it was and the bad thing is we both just didn't want you build that comedy family and neither of us wanted to go for the kill shot we love we love each other around here And none of us actually did want to go for the actual kill shot. Our final insults were the weakest, most God awful things I've ever heard in my life. And they weren't, they weren't even insults. Yeah. Neither one of us wanted to go for the kill.
1: Yeah. I suck at roast. I don't, I don't, I can't take it and I don't dish it very well. It's just not, I enjoy watching my friends tear each other apart. And I love how like usually the ones so far, the ones that win the roast are usually like just the nicest people ever and then they get up. that's one of the parts i love about it it's like they're the nicest people ever in the scene and they get up there and they're so mean and they just annihilate everybody and you're like i didn't realize they had that in them that's amazing
0: that's that's what i think they learned about me because i've been with a lot of people's cheerleaders and i joke but that w- there's so many we've got so much growing talent out of greenville now, granted, I'm not saying they're going to be getting records next year or anything, but there's so much talent here, and they're not they're, – they let their anxiety get the best of them. And I'm usually the one over here It's like, where have you been? You're great. Why aren't you performing? You should be performing. You're better than – no, you are good. You're getting laughs. And we've became friends with this, and there are people who are – of course running circles around me and I love that for them I, I love seeing my friends succeed and I don't and when matter of fact, one of them got in the roast and I mean I wouldn't even end the second roast and they still were just ribbing on me and I'm in tears laughing I can take anything I don't want to be the person that hurts somebody else's feelings
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah I'm always scared I'm gonna go too far
1: I will go too far because I have zero to six I have 60 and zero you know I don't have a middle ground um, and the only time I'm really ever able to be mean to people is if they make me mad, so it just I just it right. so interesting.
0: No, I'm the same way, and it's like, and when you go mean, you're like you said, it's full 60, you're going across lines. You're, I'm talking about your mama, your baby's, your ugly baby, I'm talking about everything, yeah. But
1: yeah, I mean, um, is has comedy really like helped your like because I think comedy is helped my confidence um not just on stage obviously but like in the whole like anywhere like everywhere so has it has being a comedian do you think it's helped you as far as being more confident as as a woman as a trans woman um like you said you when you first started transitioning you went into stores and you were a little um you know worried about what people were thinking about you has comedy helped that part of it at all
0: very much and for the same reason because when you're on stage you are being judged, you are sitting up there, you are, before you say a word, I'll go on stage, I'll look, some people will clock me immediately, some don't have a word, a clue, even with my voice still being deeper, they don't always catch it until I do my opener, which that was in the video, and it's, funny because I'll be, sometimes depending on the crowd and the mic and whatnot I'll just go there and look at everybody for about 10 seconds won't say a word so you know mm-hmm. it's awkward silence and it took a while to understand I don't always have to say something and, which is hard for me because I have that gift <laughs> but sometimes it doesn't matter if 90 percent of the crowd liked the joke and that one percent didn't or 10%, my math is off, mm-hmm. it's okay, 90% won, half the time with a big crowd, 40%, all so you're really wanting anyway, so that kind of mentality, thinking about that, understanding that not every, same way, there's comedians, I love them to death, but I'm not a fan of their comedy, you know, their jokes are like, just not my style, nothing wrong with it, just not anything I really dig, And it's the same. And when I get in there and I hear them do it, their joke and their bit, and it's like, okay, whatever. And then suddenly they'll have one great one I love. But it's still just like, that made me realize that they're still getting laughs at their jokes, even though I don't care for them. I've noticed I'll do a joke and they don't always laugh at every one of mine. I'm like, okay, but the crowd like it. So it was just understanding that. And then getting that confidence on stage has directly fed back into. When I walk, I hold my head up high now. I don't, you know. I get recognized. I, Lord, that that's an ego boost.
1: Yeah, I love. Oh, it. you do comedy? Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: Uh, Charleston Pride. Uh, Shauna Jarrett booked me on that show. Just one of the features, and I went up and I did fifteen minutes. Loved it. Five hundred people in the audience. And it was after the hurricane, so that was, that was low ticket sales. <laughs> the next day, we're walking down the street. We had just went to Pride, and we're walking back up the street, and I just hear from probably, you know, 50 yards away, oh, my God, you were fucking hilarious. You know, I got recognized, and it just my head was one of the Airhead commercials. You know, I'm <laughs> just running around right at cloud nine. Yeah. That- and – That's kind of what
1: I, yeah, that's what I'm hoping to bring to other people, um, through the nonprofit is, um, is, is to help because it helped my confidence and it helped and it's just spilled over into every area of my life. Um, the confidence that I've had, because I mean, I don't say this to people, but in my head, I'm like, I'm a comedian, you know, so screw you, you know, like, yeah, no,
0: you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's a little conceited, but yeah, we, we're a different breed. We really are. Yeah.
1: And as many of there as many of us as there are and as talented as we are, when you talk about the percentage of the population, that's actually a good comedian. There's not a lot of us, um, per capita. So it is a special thing to be a comedian and to be a good comedian and to make people laugh. Um, it is a special thing and it does make you feel special and better sometimes.
0: Very much.
1: So, but yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and end it there, but that was, um, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I, I cannot wait. Um, little advice. When do you think I should buy the tickets? Cause they're cheap right now. It's
1: yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would probably wait until at least the end of May. Um, I don't even know what yeah because colorado just started doing their reopening plan and um yeah um hopefully by the end of may i'll know for sure whether it's going to happen or not i'm going to try to make a call by june 1st so people can make a decision you know people can make these kinds of decisions so um if by june 1st yeah we don't have a date on when things will open up again as far as Venues. The venue is 160 people, so it's over the threshold for everything. So I'll know, like June 1st, I'll make the final decision. But it's gonna happen, whether it happens in July or whether I have to put it off till next year. Um, it's gonna be a yearly thing that happens anyway. So it will happen. Um, um, but yeah, I would say I'll know by June 1st.
0: Okay. Unfortunately, but I still cheap by then. Oh, yeah, that, that's the only bad thing is, like I said, I was starting to hit a stride, and I lost about most of April was, most of this month, we, weekends were booked, I had shows going into next month, I'm great, right when I started getting a stride, and start lining oh, up. Oh, I know, I just
1: started producing shows here in Denver, um, just got my, like, footing to feel comfortable doing that, I got booked uh, for a couple out-of-town headliner gigs, which is the first, you know, and they came to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I was gonna I was gonna perform in uh, New Orleans and Atlanta, headlining you know a show. That was the first time I actually hey, was gonna. Who was bringing Atlanta. down Atlanta? Um, John starts with a C. I can't remember how you say his last name. Um, long hair, yeah. long blonde hair. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of his. He's got like a comedy thing, comedy carousel. I think it's okay
0: I've seen that because yeah Atlanta's two hours south of us so
1: yeah well yeah I was gonna I was gonna like I got a map for the United States that I was gonna pin all the places I go and I was like well if I go to Louisiana and I go I'm getting my you're making me talk like a Texan I grew up (laughs) I grew up in Texas (laughs) um and so I I had an accent that I worked real hard to get rid of because they made fun of me but (laughs) talking to you <clears throat> it's making it come back. I'm
0: gonna have to I've actually started embracing my accent. I used to hate it. I Over enunciated words. I have since comedy started. You know, that's kind of my little cheap opener. She's a Southern belle with a story to tell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: I got rid of mine in eighth grade, so I, I don't. <laughs> I don't particularly want it back. But if I go spend a week in Texas, or if I get mad, oh.
0: yeah, it comes. I heard. Of- I heard it in mad. I actually heard you a little mad. bit in mad. Yeah.
1: I didn't even know I had an accent till I moved to Kansas because compared to the people in Texas, I didn't. But, but I was going to go to New Orleans and in Atlanta and I was going to be able to, I was going to get like a little bit into Florida. I think it was like, I was going to be able to hit like five states and, you know, get some shows. And I was like, man, I'll be able to get five states in this year because, you know, I want to perform in every state eventually. Yep. But who knows, maybe it'll still happen because I know that Not all states are staying as closed down as we are. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, uh, South Carolina is the first one to still, you know, we're always going to lead the charge, apparently.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. But I feel pretty confident that we'll get to have the festival, whether, you know, um, I might have to change venues because I have to pay for that venue and I haven't been able to get sponsors and stuff, but we'll see. I feel, I mean, I'm pretty confident. I'm moving forward as if it's happening until I know otherwise. But I will that's have to make, you I will have to make a decision by June 1st for the out- of town comics to decide if they're going to buy tickets or what they're doing. Um, a lot of the comics are Colorado comics because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of female comics here um, mm. a lot it's a great community so
0: we, we only have about eight or ten
1: that's more than female
0: comic here yeah, in yeah. Greenville in Greenville.
1: Yeah, which
0: uh, is very many. Yeah, one of the girls here was trying to do a monthly mic that was strictly uh, female. The problem was there's only eight or ten of us. Yeah. And, you know. Well, the hope
1: would be if you did that, that by having that space, you might get new female comedians. But really, you have to, like, sometimes you have to recruit female comedians. Uh, yeah. I do it there's all the time.
0: the improv scene here.
1: Yeah. I do it all the time. If somebody's funny, I'll be like, you're funny. Why don't you come to the mic? I'm always recruiting. Or if there's a new female comedian at a mic, I, I, I am just like, Hey, how's it going? I'm Helen. And I'm very friendly and welcoming. I'm like, you ever need me to come with you to the mic or, you know, uh, I'm extra supportive of any time I see a female comedian um, in, in my scene. Cause I don't feel like there could be too many of us. So (laughs) my whole thing is supporting, my whole thing started with supporting female comedians, and then I, you know, LGBTQIA communities. And then troubled youth is more like, is more, you get a lot of grants for kids. The person helping me um, set up my nonprofit suggested I work with troubled youth. Um, And I guess, you know, it all makes sense. Catch them early, you know? But if I, get, if I do end up going to Atlanta, it's not that far. Maybe I'll slip on over to Greenville. I don't know. Uh,
0: there ain't much here, trust me. We've got two months and then a monthly show that happens. Uh, I could, so if it's the last Saturday the month, I could probably get you headlining a gig, pay about 20 bucks at a bar. <laughs>
1: yeah, it wouldn't really be. Yeah, it's more for the experience and to say that I, per, I performed in South Carolina you know, than the money.
0: Columbia. <laughs> columbia or charleston i can get you contacts there uh charleston's got a good scene and everybody there is just wonderful columbia one of the regulars actually just opened his own comedy club so oh
1: cool cool yeah we have some of those here like diy comedy clubs we have a couple so but it was really good talking to you and hopefully we get to meet in july and um i think we're facebook friends i'll tag you whenever I'm behind. I just started editing. So I'll tag you whenever I get this up and and let you know. So um, thank you and have a good day.
0: You too, Helen. Thank you.
1: Uh Bye.